0: Well, here's part four of First John and part four of my life. Uh, 1965, I would have been 16, well, 15, I hadn't turned 16 yet, um, there was a tragedy that hit the small town that I was growing up in. Uh, New Year's Eve, a large section of the small business district was gone, and You need to understand that there wasn't much there to begin with. Okay, the fire took out four buildings that housed stores. I know there may have been apartments up above, and I'm really not sure. Um, The water lines had been put in many, many years before for the fire hydrants, and the lines were made out of wood, and that they had rotted and collapsed. So. It took care of things real quick and they put new water lines in before too long. Um, So life trudged on after that. Uh, Just school and working for my parents and girls, of course. Uh, My senior year, in high school, we did the play Annie Get Your Gun. Uh, I was uh, the hotel owner, innkeeper, barkeeper, whatever in the play. So I had a little bit. I had to memorize, try to. Um, senior year, took the annual uh, trip to Washington, D.C., uh, just like every class before us and many after us. And I was in love, or thought I was anyways. So I graduated in June 1967, Uh, Before graduation, I had uh, taken my physical for the Army, uh, hoping to fail. A friend of mine had taken his. He failed. I thought, well, I'll take mine. Uh, He'd been classified 4F, and I I didn't fail. Uh, I bought, before graduation, a a 61 Chevy Impala. It's gray with red and white interior, $500. I wish I still had that. It'd be worth at least 10, if not 20, times that or more Um, so like I said I graduated and in August I went in the Army and was in Fort Dix Uh, the whole experience was rather eye-opening many had been drafted and tried different things to get out and uh, because one guy used a trenching tool and smashed his hand with it and just other stupid things. So sometime, I think it was in October, I went to Fort Lee, Virginia, and um, spent my time there getting my uh, training that I needed for a supply specialist and armorer. And um, So I got orders for Hawaii, and was home on leave for 45 days. And flew to Oakland, California, and then my life changed. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks that we have life experiences that help to make us who we are today. Uh, some of those experiences are great and they're pleasant, we enjoy them, and some not at all. But Lord, they all help to mold us into who you need us to be and uh, give us the experience that we can look back on and and maybe help somebody else with. So, Father, I praise you for the way my life came together. Uh, Even though it didn't maybe seem too great different times, it's uh, what you needed to have happening in my life. So, Father, let's uh, look and see what you have for us in Scripture and what we need to uh, be taking in and not just learning but making part of our lives in Jesus name Amen so going forward in 1st John moving into chapter 4 and John's letter kind of takes a turn to a different topic a very important topic even today because he addresses the existence of false prophets uh, in verse 1 New Living translation it says dear friends do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. It certainly are. Okay, the Greek there for false means to be a pretended, pretended imposter or a religious imposter. So someone it's someone that's intentionally trying to mislead the believers, trying to lead them astray, and uh, someone that may pose as a pastor or teacher or an evangelist of some kind, uh, they may not start out that way um, because many false prophets maybe started out, you know, preaching the word as they should have, Um, but then they found that being false was to their advantage. Uh, Jim Jones is a good example of this. Uh, he, he saw that people were more interested in following him than following the Lord. Uh, and that's a lot of other false prophets may start out that way. Uh, others start out teaching things that are not of God. Uh, some try to make a, a mockery of Christianity, uh, showing that people can be easily led in the wrong direction. And sometimes that's very true. So in verses 2 and 3, John explains one way to test the spirit of this pastor, teacher. He says, This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world, and indeed is already here. Okay, the way things are in our country right now, in our world, uh, there's a lot of talk about the Antichrist. And maybe that's a good thing. But this goes back to the second chapter of First John, where... Uh, John said in verse 18, he says, Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that the last hour has come. Okay, true believers, true teachers, like John and Peter and Paul, Uh, They knew that there would be these false prophets coming to try to pull believers away from the teaching of Jesus. And like John said in both chapters, the Antichrist is already here. If you take a look at uh, false religions or cults, uh, they say Jesus was a good person. He was a prophet. He was a, a teacher. But... They say that he he was not the son of God. So the Greek for Antichrist simply means an opponent of the Messiah. Uh, in some ways, you can liken it to a, a friend or a co-worker of yours that keeps trying to get you to do things that go against what you believe. You know, if you feel that you shouldn't be drinking alcohol and they're constantly, you know, trying to get you to go to the bar with them after work, or whenever it might be, uh, because they know that that's something that, you know, you don't agree with. So uh, I'm not saying that person is an antichrist, but it's the same or a similar uh, thing trying to pull you away from what you believe. So in verse 4, it says, but you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the Spirit who lives in you is greater than the Spirit who lives in the world. Okay, that's something that I think many believers aren't aware of or forget or whatever uh, that you know they get attacked and they, they think you know, well, this is the end. You know I, what am I going to do? Well, what you're going to do is rely on what you've been told to do and that's to rely on the Lord to rely on Scripture. Uh, so if we know Scripture, we're able to identify a false prophet and to put a false prophet to the test so if not we need to be comparing a false teaching to God's word if somebody tells you something and it you know it just doesn't really sound right you know go to the word and, and look and see you know is that person right or was i think what i'm thinking is right because you got to you got to know. You can't just let it ride. So you need to be using your Bible. And I mean your Bible, not one that the false prophet may use. Because they've already twisted God's word to make it say what they want. An example of that uh, is in the first chapter of John's gospel, in the first verse. Because it says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. What these false teachers do is they've added just one word and just a, just one letter to make it totally different. Because what the Scripture actually says is the Word was with God and the Word was God. Well, they take the letter A and put in there. And they say that the word was with God, and the word was a God. Not the word was God, but the word was a God. Makes all the difference in the world. Well, 1 John 4, verse 5, it says, Those people belong to this world. So they speak from the world's viewpoint, and the world listens to them. You know, the world is quick to have an opinion on Christianity a warped opinion the people of the world are just as quick to to believe uh, what a false prophet has to say you know and TV has done a great job in distorting Christianity they mock it they water it down they ridicule true believers pastors teachers whoever it may be uh, You know, these so-called situation comedies, you know, uh, work hard at trying to tear apart Christianity. Well, in verse 6, John goes on to say, but we belong to God, and those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they don't listen to us. That's how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or The spirit of deception. Have you ever talked to somebody that claims to be a believer and they don't really want to talk about things of the Lord? Okay, you're trying to talk to them about, you know, maybe something you've been learning in Bible study or uh, maybe a message that you just heard the other day at church and they say, you know, that's nice, you know, let's talk about something else. So without judging, you somehow know that they may not really believe as you do, okay? I mean, they may be going to church every week. They may hold positions in the church and all, but, you know, they just don't believe the same way that you do, don't believe just what you do. So John speaks to this in his gospel where where Jesus is speaking to mixture of believers and non-believers in John 8:47 says anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God but don't listen because you you. but you don't listen because you don't belong to God well yeah you know, that was a hard hit for those that were hearing those that considered themselves you know the, the religious leaders uh, the teachers, the Pharisees. But it's very true today as well. Okay? Anybody that belongs to God gladly listens to the words of God. And if they don't want to listen, maybe they don't really belong. So we'll just let Jesus do the judging on that. Well, beginning in verse 7 of John's fourth letter, he again speaks of the love of that we need to have for one another. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves a child of God and knows God. This may seem like that U-turn, but it really is still speaking about knowing who's a true believer and who is not. Because John says this in verse eight, he says, but anyone who does not love God Excuse me, anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Okay, so love equals a believer, and no love equals a non-believer. Why? Because God is love. It's pretty simple. If you do not have love in you, you don't have the Holy Spirit in you. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, you're obviously not a believer. So let's go back to John's gospel another time in chapter one, where he says in verse 14, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So like it told us in John's epistle, God is love, okay? Jesus, the Word, is full of unfailing love. The Spirit fills us with that love. And where did we see that love displayed so greatly? John 3.16, the King James says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, there's no greater display of love than this, you know, period. That's it. You know, when you understand that verse to the extent that we can understand it, you know just what God is saying. This is just what 1 John 4, 9 tells us. It says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world that we might have eternal life through him. Okay, to a repeat of john 3:16 john simply is repeating the words that he heard jesus say you know and i can almost hear john saying verse 10 emphatically this is real love not that we loved god but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. It's like John is saying, do people get it? Are you really understanding what God has done for you? And I think a lot of people, you know that, like I said, they're going to church, sitting in the seat, sitting in the pew, whatever, week after week, but it's just kind of going over their heads, not because what. The messages is, is, you know, beyond them. It's just they just don't understand. They're not able to take it in. Verses 11 and 12, John is continuing to make this point. He says, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. You know, the King James ends verse 12 like this. His love is perfected in us. I like that. Okay, the New Living said his love is brought to full expression. But the King James, his love is perfected in us. The the Greek here for perfected means that it's consecrated that it's perfect, it's fulfilled, it's complete, it's finished. Okay, so God's love is fulfilled in us. God's love is complete in us. God's love is perfected in us only, only because of Jesus Christ. I love verse 13. Okay, it says, And God gave us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Isn't that an awesome statement? The Holy Spirit living in us is the proof of our redemption. My question to you and to me is, are we or am I living like the Holy Spirit is in us? My best answer is, eh, sometimes, not as often as I should be. But I'm a work in progress. Praise God. Verses 14 and 15. John is speaking of his eyewitness account of Jesus. Okay, because he's speaking from, you know, I've been there. I was with him. And so listen to what I have to say. He says, furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and testify now that the father sent his son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. How could John not have God in himself? He lived with Jesus for three years. He spoke with Jesus, I'm sure on a daily basis. He, you know, was there and witnessed the crucifixion he you know spoken ate with the resurrected Jesus and he considered himself the disciple that Jesus loved so how could John not have the Spirit of God living in him having gone through what he did verse 16 says we know how much God loved us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Two things from this verse. You know, John is driving home again the fact that God is love. And John said that we have put our trust in his love. Okay, I mean, it's so very true. If you're a believer, you're trusting God for your eternity. Okay, you're not just trusting God to, to get you through day by day, you know, which is an awesome thing, but you're trusting God for your eternity. You know, because our time here on Earth is you know, like a grain of sand on the beach. You know, it's nothing compared to our eternity. And so we're trusting God with ourselves forever. Okay, and you're not saying, You know, I've I've chosen one of the ways to heaven. No, what you're saying is, I've chosen the only way to spend eternity in heaven with God. Well, verse 17 kind of connects back to verse 12, because it says, And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment but we can see him, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. You know, it's like the writer of Hebrews in ten nineteen, He says, so dear brothers and sisters, we have, or we can, boldly enter into heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Okay, because we have a personal relationship with Jesus, we know where our eternity will be spent, okay? And because of that, you know, we can face the Lord, you know, not just, in you know, we're going to tremble because of the fact that we're in his presence, but not in fear because we know where our eternity is going to be because we have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The beginning of 1 John 4:18. Is a favorite of many. You find it on mugs and t-shirts and probably bumper stickers. It says, such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Or like the King James puts it, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Okay, if you have the love of Jesus Christ in you, it's going to push that fear out. Okay, When you have the perfect love of Jesus living in you, it's love over fear. Verse 19 is a really important verse because it explains something that I can't explain. We can't explain. It says we love each other because he loved us first. When I'm able to comprehend that I'll be a much better person. I ex- understand it a little bit, you know, kind of in this way. He says, I was really, really unlovable, except by God. He loved me. He loved me just like I was. He didn't tell me to meet a certain standard and then he would love me. He said, I'm going to take you just like you are okay I love you just like you are but because I love you I will help you to become who I need you to be praise God thank you Lord that you love me so much verse 20 gives us a great scenario it says if someone says I love God but hates his fellow believer that person is a liar for if we don't love a person we can see how can we love god who we cannot see that's a good question okay we are people that need to be loving everybody and you know i have a difficult time answering this okay because this includes me you know there's some that i really have a struggle loving. And there's some that are believers that I really have a struggle loving. And some that are anything but believers and I have a struggle loving. But that takes me back to judging again, doesn't it? Well, John sums up this part of his letter like this in verse 21. He says, and he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Two important words there. One, command. (laughs) This is not a suggestion. It's an expectation for all believers. The second word that's important is must. Again, that's not a suggestion. Okay, this is my command and you must do this it's what god needs us to be doing i like the way the message puts verse 21 says the command we have from christ is blunt loving god includes loving people you've got to love both okay like the song says they'll know we are christians by our love my question is will they does the world look at us and say, "Ah, oh, look at the love that all those Christians have towards each other. Isn't that great? Or do they say, yeah, those churchgoers, man, they're no different from the rest of us. Why bother pretending to be a Christian? Unfortunately, the latter may be more frequent than the former. And unfortunately, I don't know, they may be right. James 1.22 says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. Amen. So we need to be sure we're following the right spirit, the Holy Spirit. You're not being drawn away by false teachers. And we need to be living in and showing God's love to others, all others, not just the ones that we decide to pick and choose to love, but those that are kind of difficult to love too. And maybe you're one of those people that somebody has a hard time loving. So maybe you need to make yourself a little more lovable. Me too. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks for your word. I thank you that it's relevant to us today in the world that we live in and father we we still need to work on that loving part and learn it's a difficult thing to do but you loved me when i wasn't very lovable so maybe i need to reach out and love others that don't seem too lovable to me because that's what you're doing so father help us as your children to work on that and realize that you're not just suggesting some things. You're telling us this is what you need to do. Lord, help us to do it. And Father, I I lift up anybody that may be listening to this that that maybe they've heard about your love, but they don't really know about your love. And Lord, maybe they've been in situations with Christians that hasn't shown that love, but Lord, help them to know that, that you love them even if they maybe have gotten turned off or turned away by believers or by a church or whatever it may be. But Lord, it's not about a church. It's not about religion. It's all about relationship. So Lord, help them to see that they need that relationship with you. And so Father, help them to pray a prayer like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I know you love me and I know I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And you sent us that Savior. You sent your Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins. Father, I thank you that he rose, that he's alive, and he's coming again. Lord, help me to believe with all my heart that you love me in the ways that I need to be loved. In Jesus' name, amen.